Uh, we're going to come to a close actually today on, um, on Matthew chapter 7. You know, we've been going through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount for, I don't know what, months, months now. Uh, and uh, we've, been in, we've been hanging out in the last part of chapter 7 because of uh, the severity of uh, the issue that Jesus is talking about. And that's, that's where we're going to try to uh, close that down. We've been on it for three weeks. And if you've been going to the notes on the website, you say, well, I downloaded them the first week. There are add-ons every week. Uh, just because it's still in Matthew chapter 7 and those verses and that paragraph, I've, I've added brand new notes every week. And just like today, there's more new notes that go with last week. So if you're interested in that, they're not the same. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a whole other section each week on that. And so that's what we're, that's what we're looking at. And we're going to try to finish, all right? We have to. There's not a try. We have to. But it's good to see you all. You're our guest. Good to have you with us. If you remember the uh, movie uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, um, one of the situations was Alice's, you know, uh, she has all kind of talking animals in that thing, right? They always do that. And she's talking with the cat, and they come, she's going down the road, and she comes to this big tree, and she stops, and it has all these signs, you know, going everywhere. And so she stops, and the, the Cheshire cat comes down that tree and says, is there a problem? She said, well, I don't really know. Which, all these signs, I don't know which uh, road to take. And uh, so the cat said, well, where do you want to go? She said, well, I don't really care where I go. She, and the cat said, then it doesn't matter what road you take. Isn't that right? You know, if, if you don't have an intention on where you're going, remember, this whole thing started with Jesus and two gates. He said, there's one gate that leads to damnation for eternity, and there's one gate that leads to uh life with Jesus for eternity. He said, whatever gate you choose, that's where you're going to end up. In, in the false prophets that we've been talking about, the gate that they're trying to keep you to get you to go in, it does not say hell over it. It says heaven over it. But the problem is it leads to hell. So the main thing is where you want to end up. You know, if you don't care where you end up, then it really doesn't matter. Uh, and that's what he's talking about here, false prophets. That's what we've been talking about for several weeks, but we have to hurry, all right? So I'm going to talk fast. We're not going to get done, but there's a lot of notes on there that you didn't have. If you want to go back, you can look at them online. You can print them out, or, you know, there's a lot in there, all right? Jesus goes back to Matthew, the same thing. He says, false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to lead astray even maybe the elect. Now, one thing you have to remember, just because someone who's so-called is a prophet or a preacher or whatever, they do a miracle, don't automatically think, oh, that's got to be from God because there's a miracle. No. The devil is super powerful, can do miracles. He's been doing them. You remember, uh, there's a verse in there from Exodus. Remember whenever Moses comes to deliver the children of Israel and, and he makes the rod become a snake? The Egyptian people can do the same thing. It's demonic. Demonic influence is alive and it's very, very powerful. So just because someone does a miracle, don't automatically attribute that to Jesus or God. Okay? There's a lot of demonic power. If you say, well, I don't believe in the devil, then you're already done. If you don't think the devil is alive and has power to influence, your eternity is already finished. That's exactly what he says. And, Paul, and John talks about that. He said, and that's what Jesus is saying. As to lead us straight. Why? 
they're standing at the gate and they're trying to fool you that you're going through this wide gate that's going to lead to heaven. In reality, you're going through a wide gate that's going to get really, really confining and it's going to end up in hell. So Alice had to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Where do I want to go? You need to pay attention. John saw that evidence. Not only in his day, John, John, uh, Epistle John. You remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you go over to the back of the book of Revelation. You have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, right before Revelation. And John wrote Revelation. God used him to pin these things. He said, not only when this whole time is going on, do I see the victory of the gospel being shared and people's lives being changed, but I see a vast multiplication of false prophets. Boy, we have. I've only been paying attention about 40 years. It has gone wild in the last 20. It's people popping up with all these brand new ideas and new revelations that are not from God. And that's exactly what he's saying. The multiplication is getting worse and worse and worse. You know, along with 8 billion people, there's uh, 16 billion false prophets. You know, it's multiplied just like that. It's the same thing. If John saw that as a sign as the end of time, how much more is it a sign for us? We better pay attention. Remember? The whole thing we started off in this chapter was there's a gate. If you're trying to back a six-foot trailer through a six-and-a-half-foot gate, you only have three inches on each side. You have to pay attention. Are you going to break the post off or tear off your tail light? You're going to tear up something. It's the same thing. We have to be paying attention more now than ever. Why? Because so many more false prophets have come. And remember what a false prophet is? What is a counterfeit? It looks so much like the real thing. If you're not paying attention, somebody will give you a fake $20 bill or a fake whatever if you're not paying attention. It's the same thing. That's what he's saying. That's why it's clear. Boy, we live in the hour of deception. You know, I hate to say it, but it, people lie everywhere. Isn't that right? In the political arena, in the church arena, everywhere, you, you just say, I wonder if they're telling me the truth. Why? Because so many people now have been proven they've been lying. So please, just because I say something or because someone else said something in a book, well, they're a preacher, so it must be telling the truth. Don't just take that as the truth. You know, you need to weigh it. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. Be careful. The coming of the lawless one, which is the Antichrist, Satan is empowering him, will be with all power and with all signs and wonders of falsehood to make you think, oh, yeah, we're the real thing. Look at that miracle we just did. Remember those verses we saw already in chapter 7? We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And Jesus said, I don't know who you are. Depart from me. So all that stuff can go on, but we have to be more, more uh, analytical now than ever to analyze this stuff and say, wait a minute, and that's what we have in the last part of this. There's several tests in here to help us say, okay, how do we know? How can we pay attention? How can we tell whether we're being deceived or not? It's always been there. Revelation says Satan is the deceiver of what? Of the whole world. He was the first deceiver in the garden. He's been doing it a long time. He knows how to make the fake look like the real thing. And the problem is, if you're not paying attention, when you see that it was fake, it's too late. If you've already gone through the gate and now you're coming down to the end and then you, the last moment, then you know everybody's going to see it in the last moment, right? When they stand before the judgment seat, they're going to say, uh-oh, boy, I made that mistake. 
You don't want to do it then. You want to see it before then. He says, little children, let no one deceive you as he has false teachers in mind. That's what he's saying. You know, go back and look at those epistles. First, second, third John. He's laying a litmus test out there for you. You say this, how about this? If that's not going together, somebody's lying. It's there. This is the big deal that John talks about. Whoever practices righteousness. What does that mean? Whoever lives their life the way Jesus wants them to live it. That's all that means. Is righteous. As he is righteous. Why? Because John is dealing with a group of people who said, oh, it really doesn't matter. You can live like hell if you want to. You just trust Jesus and then everything's okay. He said, oh, uh uh-uh. No, that's what he's talking about. He who practice righteousness, who is living it out in their life, they're the ones who are following the righteous one, which is Jesus. There's a lot of people, you've heard me say this how many times, they talk a big game, but it's not coming, and that's one of the tests in the very end. How do you know whether this is true or not? Beware of the false teachers because they say is that you can be righteous and not practice righteousness. You remember that whole deal that went on quite a few years ago? John MacArthur was in the middle of it because this one side said, oh, as long as you just confess Jesus with your mouth one day, it really doesn't mean your life has to change and you'll still go to heaven. And John MacArthur said, no. (laughs) And he's right. And he started writing and they had this whole controversy between those groups. They said, oh, you just, it's just a mental assent. You just say it and then everything's okay. And John said, oh, no, no, no. Your life's got to show it. He called it Lordship Salvation. That's exactly right. That's exactly what John's talking about. They were trying to say, oh, you can be righteous and still live like a pagan. You remember that old song, right, in the 60s? Some of you are old enough. You can't live crooked and think straight. It doesn't matter if you're the chauffeur or the chief of state. Because the way you live is coming from your mind. It controls it. So don't talk like you. Oh, and a lot of people say, oh, yeah, Jesus and I are this close. But your life is eons apart from the way Jesus wants you to live your life. Am I saying you're supposed to be perfect? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But are you even on the road to having a change? Oh, well, I trusted Jesus in my mind and my life, and I confessed him with my mouth. But it doesn't really. I can still live like hell and do all this other stuff that I want to do. John said, no. The ones who are righteous practice righteousness. And they're trying to sell something and say, oh, no, you don't have to do it. That's what his whole argument is about there. Let no one deceive you. Who practices righteousness is righteous. There should be a point in your life when you trust Jesus that your life starts to change. That you start living the way Jesus wants you to live. A change that starts taking place. They disconnect his person, this group of people whatever you want to call them. Some of them were Gnostic. Some of them, they had all kinds of things going on in the first century of belief system, just like we do now. Now, you can find anything you want to about what somebody thinks, how this whole whole thing's put together. They They disconnect his person, Jesus, from his ordinary bodily life. You know, it'd be like, oh yeah, he's just a spirit, and he's out there. They, and John even said this, remember? He says, anybody who says Jesus was not born of a virgin in the flesh can't be saved. Because they said, it really doesn't matter. It's just a spiritual thing. It doesn't matter if Jesus ever came to earth or not. That's what they're trying to sell. Some people try to sell that now. 
You know, they say, well, we don't need that. It's just a spiritual thing. It's existential. If my being is just, it's a spiritual thing. Jesus really never was in the flesh. Remember, that was a whole church battle. How many years ago? Quite a few thousand years ago. Or 1,500 anyway. He's fully God and fully man. They say, oh, no, he wasn't. But he also opposes their view of the Christian life. John, that's what John's writing about. What is that? They disconnect our person from our ordinary bodily life of doing things. Oh, I can still be spiritual and live like a pagan. No, you can't. No, you can't. Why is that important? Because that's what a lot of the false people are trying to sell you. That's why he's saying that. We'll pick it up again in Second Peter. They say the flesh didn't really matter for Jesus. Oh, that wasn't important. If God didn't come in your flesh, John says, then that's a false antichrist. That's a false prophet. You have to understand that. You have to believe that. Well, I don't understand it. You have to believe it, even though you don't understand it. What mattered was that somehow, in this spiritual way, he was still Christ. You know, a lot of these pagans, they'll say, you know, it's just in my mind. It really doesn't matter if Jesus ever died or rose again. That's what they say. I'm still, I'm still spiritually okay. No, you're not. That's what John is saying the whole time. That's what he's talking about. If there's no real union of the preexistent Christ and the physical man Jesus, then we're doomed and it's false. That's what John's trying to prove in the whole thing. All right, this is just getting us ready to think, right? That's all this is. This led directly to what John deals with in chapter 3. That you can be righteous in some spiritual way and yet not do righteous in your ordinary life? He says, no, you cannot. Whatever's in the well, oh, it's going to come up in the bucket. Whatever's controlling your life, it's going to come out in your flesh. He said, they go together. You can't separate those two. We live in that hour. If we haven't learned that in the last three years, where have you been? Everybody's lying. From the CDC to the politicians to everybody. I mean, they've been proving it left and right. Finally, CNN is finally saying, you know, they're lying over here. The liars are now calling the liars liars. <laughs> Boy, that's a revelation. I mean, you say, well, you do understand, you have been paying attention the last couple of weeks where even these people that have always been so far to the left are finally saying, this is crazy. What they're doing is wrong. You know, that's exactly what's happening. We are in the ultimate. I'm only 64. I've never seen it this bad in America. I mean, that's just a fact. Uh, it's the way things are going. The Word of God and the Spirit of God is the only thing that can keep us from being deceived into following some of these false things because they sound so good. Every day, we want every day to be Friday, don't we? We get off work. It's supposed to be our weekend unless you work on Sunday. <laughs> Everybody's looking for that. You're ready to get out of school. Whatever you do, you're ready to get out of school for Friday, right? You know, I must confess, I never waited to do my homework till Sunday night. That was a bad deal, you know? I just ready to be done with school because I hated school anyway. I didn't touch any books. I goofed off. Well, I worked on Saturday all day, but then Sunday we just bummed around. Come dark, I'm starting to do my homework. Mom said, why'd you wait so late? Because Friday was a couple of days ago. I'm on break. You see how that works? That's exactly what they're saying. The most important thing for us to focus on is how God's Word and the Spirit work together to keep us on the right path. It leads us, you better, you better stay in focus, and if you're going through the straight gate, you better pay attention because it's narrow. 
and everybody's going to try to tell you, oh, why don't you come through this wide one? No, it's not wide. Knowing the truth, and John really points this out clearly, and we have to hurry, all right? Look what he says. You have been anointed, the Holy Spirit, in chapter 10. Whenever we trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside from outside of us, and it's Christ's Spirit that lives in us. It empowers us to couple with God's Word, which is an absolute that we can spot the wrong things when they're coming, if you're paying attention. You know, you're going to back this, uh, this wide trailer through this narrow gate. If you never look in the mirror, what's going to happen? Catastrophe. You know, you've got to pay attention. That's the main thing. We don't want to pay attention. He says, I write to you. This is John. I write to you not because you don't know the truth. What is the truth? Absolutely God's Word. That's what he's talking about. But because you know it and know that no lie is of the truth. Wow. The anointing, absolutely, is the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, empowers us, Christ's Spirit in us, helps us. He says that God has given us of His Spirit. So that's what the Holy Spirit's referring to. You have the Holy Spirit from the moment you trust God, trust Christ as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside. It abides in us. And look what he says, that you have no need that some other spirit from some of these false prophets out here, come teach you something because you have the truth. He's fixing to expound on it. You don't need these progressive prophets. Oh, we have a brand new revelation. You know, there's one coming down in a little while. Uh, Andy Stanley's having a conference in Atlanta, uh, and it's called The Middle of the Road. Ain't it what it was, Dallas? Something like that. Middle of the Road. Is that what it was? Guess who the key speaker is? Uh, L-B-G-T-A-M, whatever you call all that stuff. A prominent leader is going to teach the conference. And he says, the church, is, the church has been wrong about this whole sexual issue about gender. I'm going to get it right. And Andy is supporting that. What is that? He's, he's gone. And this is the problem. A lot of people that, if, if I mention a few names to you, they started off over here good. And as time has gone, they've sold out. You know, I, I, I can name a, quite a few of them. One of the ones y'all, some of you ladies are going to listen to in a few weeks. She's flirting with some place she don't need to be flirting with. Right now she seems to be straight. Frenchie knows her and already kind of called her hand on it and said, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Why? Because if you're not careful, you start hanging out with a bunch of people over here that has the wrong idea, and before long, you'll be having it. And that's exactly what some of these people have done. Some people that I know real, real well, they've sold out. They knew better. He said, oh, no, you have the truth. When everybody comes to you and says, oh, we have a brand new revelation. You know, the church has been getting it wrong for 2,000 years, but we got it right now. That's automatically a sign you better watch out. Why? Because John said you had it from the very, very beginning. How does it enable us to do that? We know that the Antichrist, they're going to come and they're going to always be trying to give you a new revelation because the new spirit in them gives them this insight. That's why he says in chapter 4, you need to test the spirit. This is a demonic spirit. This is not a Christ spirit, he says. You need to watch it. It's coming. He says, beat church, do not believe every spirit. And that's what they say. Oh, well, I have a brand new revelation. It's called an, another testament. Hey, that's Mormonism, in case you don't know. 
Why? Because Joseph Smith had a brand new spirit that spoke to him and said, oh, yeah, you know, that's okay, but that's not the whole picture. John said, you already have the whole picture. Every cult or false prophet does the same thing. We have this new, we have a brand new revelation. Y'all just missed it. Y'all were idiots. You were just dummies. You didn't know it. And that's where we are when we're about 16, aren't we? Our mom and dads are idiots. Isn't that right? Oh, you're just old. You don't know any better. Yeah? If you make it, when you get about 40, you back up and say, you know, you were a little bit smarter than I thought you were. If you make it. Some of them don't make it. They stay in that. This is the key. Let what you have heard from the beginning. What was the beginning? Beginning was the gospel that Christ gave to the apostles that were handed down through the church to John in us. He said, oh, no, no, there is no new revelation. It's already signed and sealed, every bit of it in the Scripture. There's, when somebody comes and said, oh, we have something brand new, John said, no, 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 no. You have everything that you need from the beginning. There is no new revelation. Christ finished it. When he, that's exactly what it says in Hebrews, right? He said it was over with then. He's not saying that the anointing of the Spirit enabled us to know the truth of Christ by giving additional information. And that's what they said. Oh, we have another Spirit that's given us this new stuff that you don't know. Whenever the, Tom, the Gospel of Thomas came out, everybody was falling all over and like, oh, well, this is it. That is not Scripture. It doesn't take but about this much reading, and you understand this is not even close to being on the same plane as Scripture. And everybody thought it was a brand-new revelation. Ain't nothing in there that's hardly worth even reading. It might be a little history, but nothing else. On the contrary, John is intent on telling them, you have everything already that God said you need. You do not have to have a new truth because there is no new truth. Now, there can be some help from others to help us understand the existing truth we have, okay? You know, when you're moving from New Testament to Byron, sometimes you got a gap there. you got to kind of sift through and say, okay, how does this principle work? So sometimes people help us in those things, but it's not a new revelation. It might be the clarification of an existing revelation, and that's exactly what John is saying. Beloved, I'm writing to you, no new commandment. Oh, we got a new word. We got a word of knowledge on this thing. Y'all, y'all remember that term? I don't know if they still use it. A particular domination. I won't call it out. Church of God, actually, is what it was. <laughs> My sister's in Church of God. You know, some things are all right. Some things, they, they missed it, you know. Oh, we got a word of knowledge. I said, and I've asked a few, but what does that mean exactly? Well, God showed us this new, whoa, wait a minute. No, 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 nothing new. No new commandment. That's exactly what he's saying. What you heard from the beginning. But an old commandment which you had from the beginning. God gave it to the apostles. It's been passed down to us. That's what we have. There's no new revelation. There's nothing. That's exactly what he says. He wants to make sure that the church, and that's you and I, understand we don't need to be out there searching the internet or anywhere else to find this new idea because there is no, capital no, new revelation. And that's what they're trying to sell. That's what they're still trying to sell. Oh, y'all got all this wrong. You Baptists are messed up. There's a lot of Baptists messed up. There's a lot of Methodists messed up. There's a lot of everybody messed up. I mean, it's not just one group. All of us are subject to getting led astray, you know. 
We, we know some of them personally. You know, I'm, I feel so sad. I'm sorry for them. They started over here, and I know them personally, and now they're over here, and I didn't move. You remember that old saying, right, when the couple got married? Right after they got married, they were going on the honeymoon, and she was sitting right under him, by, by the driver, you know, by the steering wheel. A few years pass, and a few years pass, and they're going down the road, and she's sitting on her side of the window. And she said, you know, we used to sit close together. What happened? He said, I ain't moved. <laughs> I haven't moved. Those people have moved. And it's not because God's given them a new word. No. They sell out. Look what Aristotle said. We are what we repeatedly do. That's why John says, abide in the word. Stay in it. Excellence, then, is what? Not an act, but a habit. And that's exactly what John goes on to say. He says, what? The word that I've given you, that God gave us, you are to abide in it. You're living by it. It's your guide. You're abiding in it. That's what it is. That's what he's talking about. It is to help us accept and abide in the teaching. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. You know, if we would even do half of what we already know, we'd totally be totally different people, wouldn't we? I mean, come on. How much do we actually act on what we know already? But we want to learn something new. I'm not against learning something new, but what are you doing with what you already know? <laughs> you know you know you should be treating your parents this way. You know you should be treating your uh, uh, kids this way. You know you should be working this way for the person you work for. You know you should be doing this for the people that work for you. What are you doing there? That's what he's talking about. They said, oh, that doesn't really matter. We can still be spiritual up here and live down here on the earth like everybody else. John says, no, you can't. Those who practice righteousness are righteous. I'm not talking about sanctification purpose. You know, a lot of people try to say, oh, yeah, we can get to that place where we'll never sin again. Not on this earth, you will not. But it doesn't give you a license to say, well, that's just the way I am. No, no, that shows maybe you don't have the right place. So how did they do it? How did they overcome it? Because John says in his letter, they overcame it. Remember, Satan is a whole lot more powerful than you are. And he's been around a lot longer than you have. And he knows all the shortcuts and the cracks and how he can get to us and ruin us. We need to remember that, okay? And he, they knew that, and that's exactly what he says. They conquered because Jesus in them was greater than Satan who is in the world. We know that song, right? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Y'all remember that one? That's exactly, that's how they did it. You know, if, if you happen to be attentive and you pay attention, hey, don't build yourself up and say, well, look who I am, because then you're about to fall. You know what the scripture says? The one who thinks he's arrived, take heed, what? Lest he fall, lest she fall. Don't ever think you've arrived. The only way you see it right now is the Holy Spirit's working in you or somebody around you, and that's why we need one another to say, Hey, Terry, wait a minute. you got a couple of loves loose back there, brother. What's going on? You better do something about that. If we love one another, that's what we're going to do. If I'm going down the road, where was I turning the other day? And a big truck was turning in front of me, and the back, to, uh, the back section on the back was wobbling. I said, This thing's going to fall off before I can get out from behind him. Thank the Lord he was getting off the interstate, turning on to a ramp. But, I mean, it was wobbling. There's no way he can go very far. Surely I didn't follow him because I think maybe he already knew he was getting off to do something about it. If we love one another, we'd say, you might want to check this because something's going on here that ain't right. 
that coupled with God's Word and the Holy Spirit is the only way that we can not be deceived. Oh, I have a brand new word. <laughs> and a lot of people think they do. Do not take credit for just because you're paying attention. It's only the Holy Spirit working in you. And God's Word convicting you. And somebody around you cares enough to help you. Remember that when you've been attacked. We need to hurry, all right? There's a couple of things I need to highlight for you. And please look at some of the notes, if you will. If you jump down to 2 Peter, the same thing is there. But there arose false prophets among the people, as among you also there shall be false teachers. Yes. Who shall privily, that means secretly, according to your translation, they're going to sneak it in. They're not going to just stop up here at the top and say there is no God. They're going to sneak it in side by side. They're going to lay something that's not true right beside something that is true. That's what a counterfeit does, right? Denying even the master that brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Peter said there's a whole warning there in the whole book. Now, here's a, quick, a few real, real quick tests. How do we do this? Their message. What is their message? Do they bring their message from God's Word, or do they have another testament? Or the Quran? Or the Watchtower? You know what that one is, right? Jehovah's Witness. When they come, they don't come with a Bible. They come with a Watchtower, a, a book somebody put together. There's a lot of people. They're always looking at something else. That's a good way. Where, where are you getting that from? Now, please understand, they can still take God's Word and twist it around. Okay, but that's one thing. If they come with something and they never, they never even quote the Scripture or even use the Scripture, you already know something's wrong. Pay attention. The Savior test. What did they believe about Jesus? Oh, Jesus wasn't God. Right? Jehovah's Witness. Mormons, what? He was uh, Satan's brother. Everybody, they always, who was, oh, he was a prophet, Islam says. Oh, he wasn't the Savior, but he's a prophet. What do they say about Jesus? John says, if you don't understand that Jesus was God in the flesh, there's no way they're a prophet. I mean, they're real. That's a fake. There's a lot of people, oh, it really doesn't matter. That, there's a lot of Baptists this day and time and Protestants all over the place. Oh, it really doesn't matter if Jesus ever really, really was even born. Or it doesn't matter if he was born of a virgin. Oh, it's all just a spiritual thing. That's a lie. That's exactly what it is. What do they believe about Jesus? Ask somebody what they think about Jesus. Well, and then that's, that's a test right there. What is the subject of their preaching? Oh, you can be healed. You can get a new Cadillac. You know, Word of Faith. Joel Osteen and a bunch of other people that some of you listen to are out of that same movement. Surely they got to have a $2 million house or they can't promote... Uh, health and wealth prosperity right if they can't fly on a jet then how can they preach you should get to fly on a jet hello what is their message what are they, are they does Joel Osteen ever talk about sin no that's one of the tests the salvation test what did they ever say about how do you get saved well if you don't talk about sin what do you need to be saved from hello isn't that right why would they want to talk about sin because they don't think you need to be saved. Because God just loves everybody. And he does love everybody, but we're all sinners. And he died on the cross so that we could be saved. What do they say about that? Tells you real quick who they are. The sanctification test. How are they living their life? Can you look at things and say, well, you know, we really ought to take care of this. But I'm, I got to spend this $10 million on my own airplane first. You know, that kind of stuff. How do they, how do they live it out? Their method. Privily. They sneak it in there. 
You know, the counterfeit looks so much like the real thing. You've got to pay attention to see it. They sneak it in there. You remember uh, George Barnard's book, The Frog in the Kettle? Remember how he used that analogy? You take a frog and you throw him in a pot of uh, cold water and he'll just float, stay there. If you threw him in a pot of already boiling water, he'd jump out. But if you put him in the cold water and turn it up a little bit by a little bit, he doesn't sense it, so he boils to death. That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. They sneak it in a little bit. That's why I say, even some of these people that we used to like, now they were slipping it in there real sly-like. So before you know it, you're hanging out with those kind of people, and before long, you'll be believing like them. So that's why you always have to be careful. There's some people here that we've used in this church in the past in their studies. We'll never use them again if I have anything to do with it. Why? Because they're gone, men and women. They've, they've sold out. They don't, they don't do this. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, oh, we have a new revelation. We used to believe that, but now we don't believe that anymore. God's given us a new sign. Remember where the signs come from? Not just God. Their method. Huh. Their motive. Why are they doing it? Money. Remember we saw last week, the dedicated first century? The first sign was, how you recognize a false prophet when he comes to town is when he asks for money. Feed him. If you ask for money, you already know it's a false prophet. No, we don't talk about money in here, do we? Somebody wrote one time, well, I'm not going to Harmony because we're talking about money. I said, then you've never been to Harmony. Some people, some people come in and say, where you get, where y'all take up your money at? You don't even take up offering. Right, we don't. We never have. You just put it in a box back there. I mean, you know, only time I ever talk about money is if we happen to be preaching through something where it comes up. Have you ever heard me give a stewardship sermon on stewardship Sunday? No. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. And that's what they do. It's focused on money. Well, if you'll just send $5, they spell their word profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. That's how they do it. You start looking up some of these people, what they're driving, where they're living, what they're flying in. They can't fly. They can't fly coach. They got their own $5 million jet. Joyce Meyer, a bunch of them. Well, I can't waste all that time. Really? You really think Jesus would get from point A to point B on a Learjet? Hello? Well, if he was in the 21st century, he would. Really? You really think that? Boy, you are distorted then. No, he wouldn't. There's some of those same principles apply. What happens? It's already said. For God, if he didn't spare the angels who turned against him and he cast them out to hell, you think he's going to let the false prophets get by? That's what Peter's talking about in the end there. Oh, no, no, no. They're already damned. <laughs> All right. There are several kinds. Real, just some headings. Again, you can go look these up. The heretic. He starts right out and says, I'm an I'm a, uh, atheist. I don't believe in God. At least they're honest. <laughs> you know, that's the heretic trying to teach you something. Well, all that's been wrong. You, if, you, if you see that one right away, you'll probably say, I'm not going to listen to that one anymore. Okay, right? That's one of them. The charlatan. He's just doing it for money. There are plenty of those. Man, if you, don't, if you can't see that on television when you turn it on, you're not looking. You know, Paul, there's verses behind that. The prophet, a new revelation. We got a new word from God. It's always coming up. Have you read this new book? Nah, I'm not reading that stuff. Why? Because all you got to do is look a little bit where they did their studying and pretty much you can figure out, yeah, that new revelation I don't think came from God. Look at the context. 
look at some of the titles and what they have the book in, you don't want to buy that, all right? Why? Because that's where it's going. You just have to be discerning. Take a little time. Look at it. The abuser. What is that? Use their position of leadership to take advantage of Jim Jones. Remember, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. He's a perfect example of that one, boy. That's exactly what. Both Peter and Jude said that, you know, be aware. They were aware of it. Be aware of that. And many will follow their sexuality, and because of them, they're the truth that will be blasphemed. Be, be careful. The apostate. He denies faith. He started over here. Apostate means you left, okay? You, you start over here as a, like, Templeton. You know, was it last week we talked about him? He started in the right place. Contemporary Billy Graham. And before he dies, he's turned his back on Christ. He's gone, apostate. I don't believe they ever were saved. I think that's what the word means. It means they put on a good show, but they never really were believers. They went through the motions, and then they bailed because John said, you went out from us because you never were of us. <laughs> you know, you were in a game, but you never were really in it. The divider. They have this idea of this new revelation, and they split churches left and right. Because of some idea that they have now, constantly. Churches divide every day. Baptist churches divide all the time. Why? Just because of this. Preacher come in, don't even know his own name. For some reason, somebody hired him, and here you go. You got a mess. <laughs> what does it say? In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. That's what Ezekiel said, right? God said to Ezekiel, woe unto the foolish preachers. Who followed their own idea and have seen nothing or heard nothing from God. Plenty of those. Again, just because somebody's got a preacher in front of their name or a PhD or a doctorate, don't say, well, that's got to be true. No, they lie. Some of us heard a testimony this past week about just unbelievable how this particular group of people can just lie. <laughs> I won't go into that. Only a couple of us know the, how funny that was. But it's a reality. I mean, all of us have it in us, right? <laughs> the ear tickler. Wow. What did Paul tell Timothy? In the last days. What? People will have what kind of ears? Itching ears. Oh, Joel, tell us how good we are. What is he doing? He's telling them how good they are. Oh, God wants you to have a pink Cadillac. Or now it's probably a... I don't know, a Beamer or Mercedes now. I don't know what it is now. It used to be a pink Cadillac. Pink Cadillac used to be the top of the line, right? I don't know if it is anymore. But the same thing. That's what they want. That's why when you see these guys on television, uh, you say, well, how do they have all those people there watching them? Because they're telling them exactly what they want to hear. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about repentance. They don't talk about changing their lifestyle. They don't talk about that kind of stuff. Why? The speculator this is that new concept. Well, it's not brand new, but it's out there now where open theology means this. God doesn't really know. Terry, he doesn't really know. He's waiting on you to decide so he can finish his plan because he don't really know everything. Boy, there's a lot of that going on. That's straight out of hell. God knows everything. Over yonder, now, and a billion years in the future, he knows. That's what the, oh, we, we're, we're going to be spectacular. Well, we'll just kind of wait and see this... Uh, what was this last month? The emergent church is part of that same deal. It's dying down now. Why? Because it's idiotic. If you look at what they say they believe, it ain't going to last. Maybe you don't even, don't go look that up if you don't know anything about it, all right? Please don't do that. The speculator obsesses about the end times. 
I remember in closing in North Carolina, there was a guy that was going to church with us, and he was going to marry this girl, and she was going to a church, and I met the people one time, but all they talked about was the end times. They were fussing and fighting with one another, but nobody talked about how they needed to get along with one another. All they were talking about was the end times. So I told him, and her, I said, you might want to focus on what you need to do now to try to live for Jesus now. And you can think about the end times, but you get so consumed with the end times that you forget how you're supposed to be treating your spouse now or how you're supposed to be treating your children or your mom and dad. Oh, all you talk about is the end times. Anybody come to mind? There's a couple guys on television. Every time I've ever seen them, that's all they talk about. The end times, the end times. They're not wrong with studying the end times. But what about living now until the end times gets here? <laughs> you know, that, he's concerned about that as much as anything. What happens? This is the one Jesus is talking about in this text. The deceiver. Why? He looks like a sheep, but he's really a wolf. And he's deceiving you. He's standing there at the gate, this wide gate, and he's saying, oh, this leads to heaven. Come on in. It's a glory road. Just walk down it. Jesus loves you. He's going to take care of you. You're never going to get sick. All these great things. You go with this. You go in this gate. And he deceives you. So you follow him and you end up in hell. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. Beware. Why? Because, you know, well, all roads lead to Rome. We're not going to Rome. You know, that's exactly what he said. There's two gates. You need to think through this thing. Your mom can't do it for you. Your dad can't do it for you. Your preacher can't do it for you. Only you can do it. And one day you're going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, what did you do with my life that I gave for you? And that's it. Nobody else is going to be there. It's going to be either what you did or you didn't do. It's going to determine where you're going to be. That's what he said. Don't be misled. Because they want to mislead us. You know, why does the devil work so hard? He's already doomed, and he knows it. He wants to get everybody else in the same doomed shape that he's in. That's what he's after. Let's be wiser than that. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you love us first. We are all sinners. Father, you died for us because we're sinners. Your blood will erase our sin, and you will give us your spirit to empower us to live for you. Lord, please help us. Help us to analyze that individually. Help us make those commitments to you so that not only will we treat our families and the people around us better, but we'll be a witness for you. Father, we thank you that you provided everything we need through Jesus so that this can take place. Thank you for the truth of your word. Help us stand under it and hold it up for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.